This is the Visible Hand, Special Job Market Edition. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal. My guest today is Madalena Ronki, a postdoctoral researcher and job market candidate at Bocconi University. She also completed her PhD recently at Queen Mary University of London. Today, we are going to talk about her paper, Daddy's Girl, Daughters, Managerial Decisions and Gender Inequality, which is co-authored with Nina Smith. Madalena, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jordi. It's a pleasure being here. So, Madalena, in this paper, you study the decisions of Danish managers in terms of how they treat male and female workers, and you examine the effect of the manager having a daughter as opposed to a son. Can you start by telling us what prompted you to do this type of exercise? Uh, yes, I, actually, to be honest, like this idea, I got this idea while talking to a friend. This friend was doing an MBA at London Business School at the time, and she was going through the very intense phase of interviews. And we were having a coffee, and what she told, what she told me is that through these interviews, she was noticing that the manager who was interviewing her had a daughter. Then she realized she was more likely to get an offer because this manager was referring to the fact of having a daughter during the interview itself. And when I listened to this, I was like, wow, this sounds super interesting. And then I looked it up and I found out that it was an actual thing. And that's what prompted me. So the actual question that, that you study uh, in the paper is therefore how the attitudes of the managers affect how they treat their workers, specifically their female versus male workers. I presume that this interviewer that your friend had, as well as the population that you study, has to be male managers because female managers do not need uh, having daughters in order to be sensitive to the plight of female employees. Absolutely. You are touching on a very important point. So let me just start by saying that work that has established a relationship between daughters and men's attitudes and behavior towards women originated from sociologists, and in particular from the pioneering work of a sociologist called Rebecca Warner, who was the first to explore this idea throughout the 90s. And her idea was that having daughters can make parents, and especially fathers, as you said, more sensitive to issues of gender equality. And the intuition for why we may expect the effect of daughters to be stronger on fathers rather than mothers is exactly what you said, which is that unlike women, men do not directly experience issues of gender inequality, but they may become more sensitive to these issues through other life circumstances. And Werner's idea was that having a female daughter may represent one of such circumstances because it can increase their father's awareness of gender issues, thereby changing their attitudes. And let me just add very quickly to reassure those men that may be listening to this and that have only sons and no daughters, that having a son is not expected to make a man anti-feminist, but rather to make the issue of gender fairness less salient, exactly in line with what you said. I mean, in some sense, having an issue as being less salient to you is equivalent to giving less importance to that issue. So... You know, from a behavioral perspective, there doesn't seem to be so much of a difference, though. No, no, yeah, absolutely. You know, salience is about caring. What, what daughters can do is to make gender issues more salient for you and closer to your heart. You notice them more, you care about, about them more. So another type of, you know, if you want the heterogeneity that uh, potentially comes to mind is in terms of the male managers who have wives who work or do not work. You know, as, as it happens, 
I have daughters, but I didn't need my daughters for the issue of female equality to be selling to me because my wife is a partner in a law firm. So every kind of story that I'm going to hear from my daughters, I have already heard it from my wife. I understand your point and I actually agree that the point is, let's say from a researcher perspective, that we know that marriage is an endogenous choice, while what is nice about the daughter effect, let's say, is that it's an exogenous shock. And so we can really infer something causal about it. Just to summarize the idea here, the idea is that having a daughter as opposed to a son changes the attitudes of the male managers. And then this translates in their behavior in terms of how they manage their firm, specifically in terms of how they run the firm with respect to female versus male employees. What is the type of data that you use uh, in order to study this question? Yeah, exactly. So as you said, what I'm interested in studying is whether and how these managers' gender attitudes are influencing their personnel decisions along hiring, retention, and promotion margins. So to answer this question, we use Danish administrative data that have a fundamental component for our empirical approach. And this component is that they are allowing us to link employer-employee matched information of the population of the firms and workers to longitudinal information on the family composition of individuals. What this implies in practice for our study is that for each manager in each year, we can observe the firm in which he is employed, the characteristics of the workforce, and the number, gender, and age of the manager's children. This is tennis data, as, as you mentioned. One big benefit of Scandinavian data is, you know, this uh, administrative component that you mentioned in which essentially we can link almost everything, you know, to everything else, particularly here, the, the composition of the family uh, with the composition of the firms that they manage. Of course, the drawback is that these countries are small. So Denmark could essentially fit into London. It's not the same as, you know, having, I don't know, data from the UK or Germany or the US. What is the sample that you use in order to run this study? Uh, for instance, how many like managers and years there are and, and so on and so forth. Like, is there enough variation in your data to run this type of exercise? Absolutely, you're, you're right. Denmark is small. And, and actually, let me add something that is relevant for what we are discussing, that is in order to make sure that we have enough traction to identify the effect of interest, our analysis focuses on the sample of single manager establishments. And we do this in order to make sure that the manager we identify, which is the unique decision maker in the firm, is actually responsible for all the outcomes we are interested in, namely hiring, retention, and promotions decisions. So to this sample selection, we add the fact that we are interested in male managers who experience a birth event. And we're focusing on men only, not only because the three Previous literature has indeed shown that the effect of daughters is stronger for men rather than women, but also because men represents 80% of our sample of managers, and therefore, unfortunately, we just lack the power to replicate the analysis on the sample of female managers only. So because managers tend to be older than lower-ranked employees, as you were pointing out, birth is a relatively infrequent event, but luckily we still observe it in approximately 7,000 manager job spell, which represent our sample of analysis. So this is what we base our analysis on. So just to be clear, your sample is going to be a sample of managers and years. Exactly. Managers and years or establishments and years, because here... 
an establishment and a manager are like a one-to-one match. And I cover the period between 1992 to 2017. We have been talking about how they treat the female employees versus male employees, but Specifically, what are the dependent variables that uh, you use in your study? As I was saying earlier, in, in the end, what, what I'm interested in, in studying is whether the gender attitudes of the manager influence the way in which they take personal decisions. So ultimately, the outcomes we look at are hiring and retention decisions and promotion decisions. So in, uh, we start our analysis by first focusing on aggregate outcomes, looking at the effect on the share of female employment and female relative earnings. And what we find is that in firms where managers experience the birth of an extra daughter, as opposed to firms where managers experience the birth of an extra son, both female employment and female relative earnings increase. Then we use the richness of our data to understand what do managers do in practice in order to improve gender equality in earnings and employment. And what we find is that both female earnings and employment are mostly affected through the hiring margins, while patterns of job separations and promotion are largely unchanged. Just to be clear, these firms, because they are single manager of firms, or establishments, they are really small. Tina, you mentioned in the in the paper that the average size of this establishment is 13 employees. So it is plausible that the vertical relation between these managers and these employees is actually like really small. It's not that we have you know some like big CEO changing and then the gender of the janitors, which are like seven levels below, is suddenly changing. You know, like there is a plausible conceptual causal link between both elements. And that's exactly behind our choice. That's, I mean, as you said, the choice of looking at single manager establishment, let's say, implies that we're looking at a relatively small firm. But let me just add that this doesn't really affect the relevance, I think, of our results, because these firms in Denmark still employ the majority of managers, one third of the workforce, and they represent more than 90% of all distinct establishments. And at the same time, exactly as you said, this allows us to be fairly confident that the manager we identify is actually in contact with the employees and is the responsible guy for taking personal decisions that we look at. So you have mentioned already like some of the results, but I want to go back and think about the empirical strategy and why it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. What is the specific estimation equation that you ran on what we said earlier was this panel of establishments or managers and years? So let me start by saying that our goal here, I think it's useful to think about our empirical strategy, having in mind what would be the ideal experiment that a researcher would like to run in this setting to to estimate the role of managers' gender attitudes for gender inequality in firms. So there are two empirical challenges that we need to overcome here. The first is that it's hard to identify and isolate the role of attitudes because they are both endogenous and unobservable. And the second one is that it's also hard to identify the causal impacts of managers for firms' outcomes, because we know that managers are endogenously matched to their workplace. So the ideal experiment that a researcher would like to run here is to be able to uh, randomly allocate attitudes to managers, keeping everything else fixed, including the match between the manager and the firm. 
And because this ideal experiment is hard to come by, what we use in the paper is a natural experiment that I believe comes as close as possible to the ideal experiment justified. And in particular, what we do is uh, motivated by sociological work, the one we have just described, showing that daughters can make men more sensitive to issues of gender inequality. We exploit the birth of a daughter as opposed to a son uh, as a plausibly exogenous shock to unobserved male managers' gender attitudes. And then what we do in order to overcome the, the problem of non-random allocation of managers across firms is to look at changes in women's labor market outcomes within a manager's you have already mentioned the dependent variables. The independent variable is obviously the number of daughters that the manager has within that spell that is, you know, with a specific firm. One thing that is obvious here is that the critical control in this estimation equation has to be the number of children, right? And as a result of this, you said exploiting the birth of a daughter as opposed to a son. This is because the gender of the a newborn is assumed to be a random draw, a perfectly random draw with an approximate 50-50 chance of being a boy as opposed to a girl. So I asked you at the beginning, what prompted you to study this type of question? Obviously, the question of gender inequality inside organizations is, a, is an important one. However, using this type of identification strategy has a, an additional appeal, uh, which is that it has like a identification strategy that is very intuitive, very easy to understand, and most likely correct. Few things in life are completely exogenous, but the gender of your child, at least in Denmark, seems to be exogenous. This implies that this identification strategy has been applied to other questions. You mentioned the work of uh, this sociologist, which I was unaware of. Warner, yes. But in economics, it has also been applied to other questions. I teach one of the earlier papers, Washington 2008, to my students. And a big advantage of this type of uh, setting of her paper and, and uh, just this setting in general is that it's wonderful to teach multiple regression because it's the example of a regression in which the independent variable is completely endogenous, but the moment that you control for a single variable, it becomes completely exogenous. It has, you know, this, uh, this big advantage from that perspective. This implies, and I wanted to ask you about this, that in order to estimate your causal effects, you only need a single control. I mentioned earlier, you have a panel of years and establishments. You're going to put the standard fixed effects, year fixed effects probably, but including them in principle shouldn't affect your estimates at all. Well, including manager establishment fixed effect may affect my estimate because what I'm doing once I include manager establishment fixed effect is to look at how changes in the gender mix of managers' children given by birth events affect changes in women's labor market outcomes within the firm where the birth event happens. And I think that this is a big advantage of my empirical strategy because it allows me to control for the potential concern of managers' endogenous sorting across firms. What I mean here is that Precisely because of the effect that daughters can have on parental values and behavior, we may be concerned that, that managers who have daughters may be more likely to endogenously select into firms that are characterized by better female outcomes and prospects, and that this may be in turn a mechanism behind the daughter effect. While by looking at changes within the firm of a birth event, I can separate what's, what's driven by changes in managers' personnel decisions from changes in managers' sorting. Let me see whether I understood what you said. My point was any type of additional endogeneity 
should be captured in the number of children. And therefore, once we control for that, the number of daughters is a random draw. Therefore, it should be completely uncorrelated with the error term. But what you are saying is that, yes, the number of daughters may be completely exogenous. But once you have a daughter, that is, once for whatever reason your attitudes have changed as a result of your daughter, you may be seeking firms that for whatever reasons are different than the firm that you will seek if you had a son. That is, exactly. there is it is the post-birth of a child selection that requires these controls that you are mentioning. Exactly. That's exactly right. So I want to be able to distinguish the two channels by shutting down the endogenous sorting one and focusing only on the changes in managers' personal decisions and including fixed effect for manager establishment spells allows me to work in that direction. So an obvious additional threat to identification will come from the fact that there is a gender-selective abortion. So in the paper, you say, well, that's illegal in Denmark. I mean, gender-selective abortion is illegal in many places where it is also widespread. But the broad point that it is unlikely to be widespread in Denmark uh, is well taken. You mentioned that there is an additional threat to identification that I am not super familiar with, which is an optimal stopping rule that families may have depending on the gender of the child. Can you describe what that is, optimal stopping rule, and why that will be a problem for your identification strategy in this setting? Yes, absolutely. So as you were writing, pointing out the identification assumption behind our empirical approach is that once we condition on the number of children, we can treat the the number of daughters as a random variable. And while, as you said, it's highly unlikely that in Denmark, parents are able to select the gender of each given child because sex-selective abortion is illegal, there is still the possibility that they're following a gender bias stopping rule for fertility that may influence the overall gender mix of their children. For example, consider a scenario in which managers keep having children until they have reached some desired gender mix. And consider the possibility that this desired gender mix is determined by managers' gender attitudes. If this is the case, then our estimate may be affected by some sort of reverse causality whereby managers' gender attitudes predict the gender mix of children. And to rule this out, we follow the relevant literature on this topic that does the following check, uh, which consists in control in checking whether the gender of the firstborn predicts the total number of children. And while we look, we find that having a firstborn daughter predicts the total number of daughters, as you would expect, we do not find that it predicts the total number of children allowing us to rule out that the managers in our sample are following some sort of gender bias stopping rule for fertility. So this optimal stopping rule doesn't seem to be taking place in Denmark. I was just still curious about the fact of what that optimal stopping rule would be a problem for. That is, in the standard regression that you run, where you have just number of daughters controlled for the number of children, you know, I can see how that could be a problem. However, imagine that you have an event study in which you look at um, managers who are having children at time zero, and in the lead up to zero, they do not have any child. And after zero, they all have a child. And there, the treated group is the ones who have a daughter and the control group are the ones who have a son. I think that for that event study, that optimal stopping rule would be a problem because there, you know, everybody's having a child, doesn't matter what was going on before. And it's just a difference between the gender of the newborn. Right. If I understood your example correctly, you're thinking about the, fir- the, the, the birth of the first child, right? 
or not uh, necessarily? Not necessarily. I was thinking that, you know, in the lead up, in the lead up to the event, it doesn't matter what you have. After the event, you have one more. And having one more, you know, could be a boy or a girl. And we are comparing between both. So you may have been following an optimal stopping rule or not. But even so, the gender of the newborn is still random. Oh, yes, absolutely. The issue would be more rather on the decision of having that extra child, right? If you had some gender attitudes with that have prompted you for whatever your optimal gender mix of children was to take the decision of having an extra child, that's what this check is ruling out. So you have already anticipated them, but can we go back to what the baseline uh, results of your studies, specifically how does having a daughter as opposed to a son affect the, the female relative earnings and employment? Absolutely. So as you said, this is my baseline result. I'm looking at this aggregate outcome, female relative employment and female relative earnings. And what we observe is that once we compare firms where managers have experienced the birth of an extra daughter to firms where managers have experienced the birth of an extra son, we find that in the, in the former, female relative earnings and female relative employment improve. And what we find is actually that these results are driven by those managers experience the birth of their very first daughter. And to, to put our results into a quantitative perspective, let's say, what we do is to benchmark our estimates to the effect of having a female manager. And we do this because we know from previous studies that there, there is generally a negative relationship between female-led companies and um, gender gaps. And what we find is that the size of the first daughter effect, let's say, on male manager is between 20 to 50 percent of the positive association we find between female-led companies and women relative outcome. So the first daughter effect is actually a quite sizable magnitude. You use your uh, the word very strategically there. You said positive association because you didn't mean to imply that the effect or the correlation with a female manager was a causal effect. But we would expect that that positive association is the sum of both selection and treatment, which in some sense if I understood it well, makes it even more impressive than the fact that you uncover here is, if I remember well, 15% of that. Is that is that the interpretation? You're absolutely right. There is the possibility that the, the association between female-led companies and women's relative outcomes may be also due to endogenous sorting of women into more female-friendly firms. And so precisely for what you said, the, this benchmarking exercise can be taken as a lower bound. So you also run like, uh, you know, an event study analysis in which, you know, just to go quickly through it, you show, broadly speaking, that there are no pre-trends and that the effect is approximately immediate after the birth of the child. You have a section there in which you discuss that the timing of the effects is indicative of the potential mechanisms that may be behind uh, this change in behavior. Can you tell us what mechanisms you have in mind and how we see that this timing uh, discriminates between them. Uh, yes, absolutely. So our study is motivated by previous evidence showing that daughters generates a shift in the gender attitudes of men. But because we are using registry data, this data does not naturally lend, them, lend itself to looking at what happens to managers' preferences towards women or managers' beliefs about women in the aftermath of a birth event. However, what we can do is to leverage the longitudinal nature of our data to study when the effect appears and whether they vary with daughter's age to gain at least 
some indi indirect insights about the plausible mechanisms at play. So one possibility is that managers' behavior changes as a result of their exposure to their own daughter's life experiences. For example, we may think that by raising their daughters, managers learn about relevant female traits, or they learn about the different opportunities and constraints that men and women face in the labor market, but in society more at large. However, if we think that uh, exposure is what, it's, is what is behind the change in managers' gender attitudes, then we would reasonably expect uh, that the effect would appear sometime after the birth event and potentially also vary with daughter's age. On the contrary, if we were to find evidence of rapid behavioral responses following the birth of a daughter, we would rule out that exposure is the only mechanism at play. And I think that is what, what is most plausible in our setting is if, if we were to find rapid behavioral responses is that managers, treated managers, are experiencing an increase in the salience of gender issues as soon as they experience the birth of a daughter with an associated change in their attitudes towards women. And we know that from previous work that this may happen both because daughters increase their father's awareness of gender issues, thereby changing their beliefs and perceptions of gender roles, and because daughters can trigger what is sometimes called an identity effect, whereby men identify more with women when forming their preferences. Both these mechanisms that I'm going to refer to with the word salience that embraces them both can rationalize pre the presence of rapid behavioral responses. So this is the two mechanisms I have in mind that I can in a way study by simply looking at the timing of the effects. I have to say that I was a little bit surprised by this. I can see how learning about the plight of female employees through your daughters is going to take a long time. But my expectation would be that this uh, trigger in salience might also take at least a couple of years. Because when you have a baby, at the beginning, it's just like a problem to be solved. Uh, you kind of don't really think of it in terms of gender. But, you know, just something that is part of your routine and that you have to be dealing with. And it is only later on that, you know, the, the emergence of a, of a gender on your child starts to become salient. But I guess that at least from a relative perspective, we would expect this second mechanism that you mentioned to take place earlier than the one about the gathering of information, etc. No, yeah, I see your point. Just, uh, I mean, on this, to be honest, the, let's say the evidence I can bring just to uh, reinforce my point is that papers that have looked at uh, self the um, changes in attitudes following the birth of a daughter using self-reported measure of attitudes using survey data for, from the US, for example, have found evidence of an immediate shift in attitudes following the birth event. And because here I'm looking at firms where managers, if they want to change their behavior, they really have few constraints because they are the unique decision maker in the firms, then an immediate change in behavior can follow. At the same time, let me add that the fact that we find the evidence of rapid behavioral responses doesn't rule out the possibility that exposure can play an extra role over a longer time span. And we actually do find evidence of that. So it's a combination of both. So we know at this point that there are more women in the firms of managers with daughters and that they earn more on average. The question now is how that happens. You have, I think, already referred a little bit to this how uh, earlier, but can you remind us of what results you have to answer the you know, mechanisms, the, the channels through which this uh, broad 
statistics uh, are affected. Yeah, so exactly. I like uh, the, the way I, I generally call them is margins of adjustment. So what I'm really interested in understanding is what do managers do in practice when they want to improve gender equality in their firms following the birth of a daughter? And what we find is that the improvement in female relative earnings and employment is mostly driven by the hiring margin. While we do not find evidence that managers are then more likely to promote female incumbents as opposed to male incumbents. And by this, I mean that we run an analysis looking at workers who were present at the firm already before the birth event to see whether their wage growth changes depending on child's gender, and we do not find evidence of that. So what we do find instead is that managers increase their propensity to hire a female worker following the birth event. And what's important to notice is that this effect is not driven uh, by an increase in managers' propensity to hire per se, but is really driven by managers substituting a male worker with a female worker along the hiring margin. And while hiring, therefore, is important to explain the results on employment, it, we also show that it's a relevant mechanism for explaining the results of earnings. In fact, these women who are hired in the post-birth period are more likely to have post-secondary education, to be working full-time, and to earn high salaries with respect to the firm's salary distribution. What we do not find instead is that the hiring margin prompts an increase in the share of female workers working part-time or having very young children, which therefore suggests that managers are not becoming more likely to implement HR policies that favor family work balance of their female employees following the birth of a daughter. It's really about these, let's say, more high remuneration categories. So a couple of thoughts come to mind. The first one is that you do not find that these managers are more likely to fire male employees when they have daughters. As a male employee myself, I found this result very reassuring. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was kind of the first order effect of concern for me. Number two is, let me, let me review the things that you said and, and tell you uh, how I interpret them. So having a daughter makes managers substitute male top workers who are anyway quitting with equivalently qualified female workers. This is what you what you said. They do not fire male workers. They do not promote female workers at expense of male workers. One thing that I also found in the paper is that the labor markets in which these managers seem to operate are very liquid. So the substitution is taking place at relatively little cost. And because of this, the performance of the firm seems to be completely unaffected by, by this behavior. So the main conclusion here is that engaging in the type of behavior that is prompted by the birth of a daughter is, as a first approximation, essentially costless for the firm or the manager. So then this kind of, you know, prompts the question of how deep is the conversion of these managers to the cause of female empowerment? If they are taking decisions that are at so little cost to them. Yes. So what you're saying refers to what I think is a very important result uh, that consists in the fact that we show that while the female workforce composition changes along the lines I previously explained, so in terms of education, hours, work and earnings, 
This does not affect the overall workforce composition, meaning that the average characteristic of a labor force are unaffected, including average labor cost per employees. And what this implies, as you were rightly pointing out, is that managers are not improving gender equality by restructuring completely their workforce, but rather are able to substitute a male worker by hiring a woman that has comparable observable characteristics. I never thought about these results as uh, pointing in the direction that for managers supporting the female cause comes at uh, little cost. Uh, I think of this result as actually a pretty encouraging one, a positive one, because we know that there are firms both in the private and in the public sector that would like to improve gender equality because they think that this is a desirable goal even in its own right. And what I'm showing in my paper is that actually there are instances in which, as you were saying, the labor market is liquid, where managers or an firm can improve gender equality without having to undermine firm productivity. Yes, I mean, in some sense, they are both sides of the same coin, because if it is true that other markets that other firms may be engaged in are equally liquid as the ones in these like a relatively small firms in Denmark, in with the supply of equally qualified female workers, you know, and so on, it's, it's, it's not a problem. Then, then yes, you know, the, the cost is low. So why are, you know, other firms who are interested in doing it will not suffer a big loss. My side of the coin is in some sense, it's not that we are identifying such an enormous change in attitudes because a true change in attitudes will imply taking decisions that are at least along some dimension, you know, leading to a decreasing performance for the firm. Well, I don't know. I mean, we like to think, at least we like to think about managers as rational human beings who want to maximize the profit of the firm. So the scenario you have in mind is a scenario where a manager wants to hire a woman so badly that this comes at the cost of lowering the productivity threshold that they use when they want to hire a worker, right? But this affects the optimal allocation of talent in the firm. And yes, it's true. I do not find evidence of this. And for example, one interesting result is that actually the facts are driven by those firms who operate in industries that are characterized by a sufficiently high share of female employment, where, where managers therefore are more likely to find a, a sufficiently qualified female workers. Note that I'm looking at the changing behavior of managers in their workplace. Maybe what they're doing is to give lots of money to women's charity and to really like change their behavior along many other margins that are not the focus of this paper. For example, there is a literature showing that managers who have daughters change their voting behavior. They are more likely to support laws that address gender inequality. So I'm just looking at one particular setting here where these guys are managers and they care about their firm. So we have already discussed that from an empirical strategy perspective, using the number of daughters is quite ideal. The question now that comes to mind is what to do if you are interested in policy? Because in some sense, the same exogeneity of the gender of your child implies that we cannot go around engineering the gender of people's children if you are interested in you know, improving uh, the way that these managers uh, run, their, run their firm. So what to do about it? Yeah, let me be very clear. This is not what uh, I think my paper suggests. And uh, I think I really think about the results of my paper as something that contributes to our very limited understanding of what works in tackling gender inequality in firms. So what we are starting to learn is what 
doesn't work or what is not sufficient. And we are learning this thanks to the recent work done on gender quotas. What this work has shown is that increasing women's representation on its own does not seem to be sufficient to close gender gaps in firms. And therefore, we may also need policies that change the gender attitudes of male decision makers. And I think that my, my paper goes in that direction, goes in the direction of showing that a shift in the gender attitudes of male managers can translate into a change in their personal decisions. So the good news here, I think, is that managers' behavior towards women is malleable and can rapidly be molded. Now, the next step, uh, I think, would be to understand in future work what kind of interventions at the firm level, for example, diversity training and the like, are better at mimicking the daughter effect. And actually have some ongoing work together with some colleagues at Bocconi that goes in that direction. And what we want to do is to distribute a survey to a large sample of managers to first of all measure and map their implicit and explicit gender attitudes, and then see whether a cost-effective policies such as informing managers about their implicit attitudes can change their behavior, goes in the direction of the daughter effect. I think that this work that you are just describing, in which you measure these gender attitudes, is in some sense like the missing part of this puzzle. And this is for the following reason. If you are interested in the effect of manager attitudes on gender inequality, It's difficult to understand this effect if you cannot measure attitudes. If you have a variable or a proxy for these attitudes in, in your current project, you could run a two-states least squares model in which you use the gender of the child as an instrument for attitudes in the first stage and then the effect of attitudes on gender inequality on the second stage. In some sense, what you are running here is like the reduced form version uh, of this model. Now, with, with the result that you have, you can tell us that the effect is not zero, but if we are implementing policies, what we want in some sense is like the elasticities of behavior to attitudes. Uh, and, and there, the two-state least squares model will be the one that really gives you that elasticity. Absolutely. So a few things here. Um, let me just first say that The, the papers in economics, uh, including the one you cited earlier, the one by Warner, that directly look at the effect of daughters on behavior. This is both for data limitation, but also because as economists, we care about economically meaningful outcome. We want to see whether, whether people put their mouth, uh, where their money is, right? Whether they actually do uh, what their attitudes would imply. Now, having said that, I still think that among the various proxies that economists use to think about gender attitudes, daughters are probably the best one. This is not only because they represent an exogenous shock, but because we do have evidence coming from survey data, both in the US and in Europe, that daughters, where they use self-reported measure of attitudes, showing that following the birth of a daughter, managers do experience a shift in their gender attitudes. We cannot, for example, say the same about uh, whether men grew up in a household where the mother was working. We do not have, for example, direct evidence on how that translates into attitude. So daughters are, are still a measure, an observable measure, where we do know from previous literature that there is a direct connection with attitudes. Very good, Madalena. Thank you for coming to the program. Thank you, Jordi, for having me. It has been great. My guest today has been Madalena Ronki. My name is Jordi Blanesi-Vidal, and this is the Visible Hand podcast. Please visit our website, thevisiblehand.uk, for links to the other papers that we discussed, 
Introductory Music and Logo by Aitana Blanesiso, Episode Produced by Anderson Tan. <laughs>